Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I believe that this big tech moment is our big tobacco moment, that this is going to be something parents look back on 10, 20 years from now and we go, I cannot believe what we allowed. I'm Allie Wolf, an Emmy-winning journalist and mom. I love interviewing women and experts who inspire us to create fulfilling lives and careers while embracing the messy and beautiful reality of being a mom. This is the Mom's Calling Podcast. Welcome back to Mom's Calling. The Screen Time Consultant is back. Emily Churkin is here again with more incredible insight, perspective, and advice for becoming tech intentional. This is such an important conversation because we are all trying to navigate this new territory, this world of temptation with these addictive devices that we all have in our pockets and all over our homes. If you're like me, you have a love-hate relationship with technology. I mean, it's incredible how we can connect, learn, and be entertained, but also, it's so difficult and it's so much harder to connect with your children when you have so much distraction. And think about it. Our phones are now a source of information, news, weather, messaging, communication, work, entertainment. It's even a calculator. It's a flashlight and so much more. These apps and games on our devices are designed to suck us in. We know that, but it's still hard to put them away and ignore those notifications. This is new to our generation of parents. We are figuring out in real time how to parent in the age of screens. My guest, Emily Churkin, has made it her mission to help us navigate this challenging and complicated time and this topic. Emily is a screen time consultant, an internationally recognized consultant who's worked with families and schools over the last 15 years. She's a former classroom teacher and current parent. She helps families go from tech overwhelmed to tech intentional. She's been featured on the Today Show twice, Good Morning America, and in the New York Times. She's also working on a book about tech intentional parents parenting in the digital age. If you have not listened to part one with Emily, I encourage you to go back and start there because we discuss our relationship as parents with our screens and how that affects our children, plus what we can do about it. We also talk about the introduction of screens to babies and toddlers and why not all screens are created equal. Emily does not believe in parental controls or limiting screen time altogether. She believes in being tech intentional. I love that concept. So today on this episode, we are tackling social media and smartphones. Emily also talks about how she got her business started and how she got some incredible features on the Today Show, Good Morning America, and the New York Times. I said this in the last episode and I will say it again. Ever since my interview with Emily, I have brought this topic up to my husband. I have been really mindful about my cell phone use and even changed a couple habits. I hope this interview has the same effect on you. Enjoy. I want to talk a little bit about social media because as kids get older, you know, I think about how it only came about when I was, I think I was 18. So these kids are now growing up with it. You know, maybe it's not Facebook and it's not the cool thing, but Mm -hmm. there's going to be social media. So I'm wondering your thoughts around that and around what parents can do, maybe if they're not at that stage to prepare. Yes. I'm really glad you asked. It has changed dramatically, especially in the last few years. And what is always heartbreaking to me is I have parents who will come to me with their older teenage children and say, I wish I had waited. I wish I had delayed smart, not even smartphone access as much as social media accounts. And there's a couple reasons. One parents, and this is what I said earlier about, I don't recommend parental controls. I recommend parenting because 
and then being a little bit cheeky about it, I do think if you have parental controls at work, fine, but they don't exempt you from the mentoring part of this. You have to mm -hmm. teach your children. We have to talk about what to do when you see sketchy or scary things. And social media, hi, adults, how many of us have ever felt really bad about a negative comment or something mean that we saw on the internet? And we're adults. We no. have fully formed brains. Young people don't, and they're very vulnerable. And I know there are a few good things about connecting with people on the internet. On the other hand, are we ready to open that Pandora's box for young children when they're still developing? And I think no parent has ever said to me, I wish I had done it earlier. They all say, I wish I had waited. So that being said, the other thing I was going to say is that I actually, I pay a lot of attention to what's happening politically and, um, legislatively when it comes to screens and social media. And one of the things I think is actually very fascinating, not that parents have time to go and do this, is to watch the congressional testimony from companies like Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, TikTok. The people who've created the products and who run these companies know full well the harm they're causing and they deflect and deny. And you will only hear them blaming parents, that they're, they blame parents for this problem. And that makes me so angry because Yes, this is a parenting challenge, but it is not one that was created by parents. And, you know, parents, yes, we can say no to screen time, we can delay. But when we are up against a product that's designed to hijack neural pathways, it's not a fair fight. And so we need to get fired up about that. I think the other thing is I recommend all parents try this. Even now, if you have toddlers, go make a fake Snapchat account or a fake TikTok account and tell that, you know, put your age as a 12 year old or 13 year old and then see what content gets pushed to you. And then if you're fine with that, then maybe you're fine with having your kid have that. But I will tell you, I did that. I made a fake Snapchat account. I wrote an article about this actually. I was horrified in the first 30 seconds of what images I was seeing. I mean, what did you see? Sexual innuendos up the wazoo, oh. like so borderline pornographic, a lot of like young women, older men type things. Um, definitely stuff I probably can't even say on a podcast. <laughs> like, I don't know if you censor things, yeah. but I actually wrote an article. I can give you the link to it and you can yeah. have some screenshots in it. But I really think it's a great way for us as parents to educate ourselves about what's out there. Like it's easy to criticize it, but if you haven't actually gone and looked, um, it might be worth it. And you're an adult, right? We get to decide, but you know, you can put in your interests too. So if you say you're interested in health and fitness, for example, the content that's pushed you is eating disorder content or from boys, it tends to be like, you know, supplements or, you know, steroids or that kind of thing, testosterone related. The, that's not what we want. That's not what we want. We don't want our children to get messages about what kind of person they're going to be from content like that. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting with, there was two things I think that happened last year, or maybe it was the year before with the movie. I think it was the social dilemma. I think it was Mark Zuckerberg who doesn't even let his kids or some of the, the higher ups on social, on Instagram and Facebook, don't let their kids on, which yes. tells you pretty much everything yep. you need to know. Yep. Yep. Um, and then also um, with Instagram, how there was a whistleblower and they were yes. talking about the eating disorder content for young women and how bad it makes young women feel and how Instagram did not do much about it. Correct. Yes. You so can watch are, that. <laughs> yes. Are you hopeful that there is a higher level of awareness and that things will get better? Or do you think, I mean, is this now a political issue in addition to a parenting issue? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I have to have hope or I won't get out of bed in the morning because yeah. this is pretty, pretty daunting feeling sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I won't lie that that is, it worries me because of the 
impact on mental health when kids are young who have ripple effects for their whole life. These are the future Mm -hmm. adults, the future leaders. Like that's, we need to be worried about that, but we don't want to be paralyzed by our worries or our fear. And I, one thing that really gives me hope is what I have seen because in addition to the Instagram and Facebook testimony, I also am involved in some student data privacy stuff, you know, when it comes to school and technology and what kids are using in schools and what companies collect about kids is a whole nother can of worms, but it is a very bipartisan issue. And in a world that feels very politicized and divided, it's very heartwarming to see people from all spectrums of politics come together on this issue and say, wait a minute, at the end of the day, this is about protecting children period. And Mm -hmm. that gives me hope because nothing will happen if we don't agree on anything, (laughs) you know, and it's okay to not agree on everything, but this is a really important one. So I do hope um, that that's where this is headed, but I will say, I believe that this big tech moment is our big tobacco moment, that this is going to be something parents look back on 10, 20 years from now. And we go, I cannot believe what we allowed. I can't believe that companies allowed this, that our government allowed it, that parents allowed it, that schools allowed it. You know, I think that will be retroactively the view, but we got to get through this first, right? Like we're not there yet. Yeah. Right. And you mentioned your kids are 10 and 13. So you are in it. So you are, (laughs) this is your job, but then you also have to handle it at home. So I'm wondering how you navigate that because I imagine it's hard. It's so hard. And I will tell you this weekend, my son said, you're the only parent who doesn't let me play video games during the week. And I'm just going to say how many of us said as teenagers, you're the only parent who, (laughs) and then complained about something we couldn't do. So first of all, what we have to do as parents is separate what's normal development, like being a 13 year old that's a normal thing. He should be pushing back on me. That's normal. It's healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also have to remember that I'm fighting for his future mental and cognitive health. I have to remind myself of that. I can't personalize this. I can't. And I do, I'm not saying I don't ever get mad or yell in return. You know, we have conflict about it, but at the end of the day, I know it's the right thing to do. And he, we will butt heads about it. But even last night, here's a small example. Like I said, no to no video games during the school week because it was just a fight otherwise, right? So it was just very much easier for us to say, okay, on Saturday and Sunday, you can have X amount. But he came to me last night and he's like, I did all my homework. I practiced my instruments and he's a really responsible kid. I got lucky on this, but mm-hmm. he goes, can I watch a little video? He really likes Magic the Gathering. So he's like, can I watch a video? And I, he's like, it's 20 minutes. And I said, Okay. Cause he'd done all these things. And then he goes, and I'm going to watch it on my computer, not my phone, because I know you prefer, I watch it on a computer and not a phone. I took that as a win. Mm-hmm. So do I love that he wants to watch a 20 minute video before bed? No, but am I going to celebrate the fact that he heard the feedback, even though it's like, so we have to see that as progress. And <laughs> I will say, I have a 10 year old who will be a complete I mean, she wants a phone now. She would have social media accounts now if I let her. She would have a YouTube channel if I'd let her. It's going to be a whole different. <laughs> you should come back to me in three years yeah. and ask. So it's going to yeah. be different, but that's it. Like we have to make the rules for the children that we're parenting at the developmental stage we're parenting them, right? It's going to be mm-hmm. different when he's 16 and she's 13, totally going to be different. Yeah, I have to anticipate that. 
<laughs> and it's also a moving target because you have to keep up with the technology that's coming out because your daughter might have a new social media platform. That's the thing, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that is hard for parents. I think they constantly feel like they have to play catch up. Like, I don't know what the latest is and feel like I just got used to Instagram and now it's Snapchat and TikTok, whatever, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, I mean, my heart goes out to parents. There are, you know, I try to help educate parents about it through social media. I know, again, the irony I realize <laughs> of being on social media, but there, you know, you don't have to do all the work yourself. There are great organizations and people who are out there paying attention that you can follow and get information there as well. Yeah. And you mentioned um, how you put your work on social media. So I want to talk a little bit more about your experience starting a business essentially, yeah, and yeah. Um, what that was like for you, kind of the lessons and, you know, the ups and downs and how you went about it from teacher to, you know, being the screen time consultant. Yes. I'm glad you asked. I mean, it's really, I feel like I'm still in that process, you know, even yeah. though I started in 2018 and I, I was, I've kind of joked that I did things backwards because only a year into my business, I got quoted in the New York times. And then the today show called, and I got to go to New York city and be on the today show live on set. And it was wow. really one of the coolest experiences ever. And wait, so how did the quote come about? Because I, yeah. I really think it's important. So many people who are starting things and wanting to be an expert yes. in what they're doing yes. want that exposure. So how yes. did that come about for you before okay. we get to the today show? Totally. Yeah. So I, again, so I do a lot of activism around screen time and I was, um, doing some work with, they're now called fair play. It's the campaign for commercial free childhood. It was their former name. And they had done a conference and I had presented at the conference. It was sort of the first inaugural screen time conference, you know, all people from this field coming together. And it was really cool. And somehow in that, a New York times reporter was doing a story about coaches and screen time. Like, are there parent coaches who help specifically with screen time? And she found my name and messaged me. And, you know, it was that moment of like, you get that message. You're like, whoa, the New York times is calling. Wow. And, and I will say, so here, full disclosure, like as a new business owner, I felt like I totally bombed the interview. I was so embarrassed <laughs> afterwards. I felt like, oh, I just rambled about the wrong thing. And I gave her my whole life story. And I don't think I needed to do that. She's never going to publish it. And like, I didn't hear from her for weeks. And I, of course was like, oh, I didn't do this. Right. And then it was, it was, in, it was 4th of July weekend. I think in 2019, I got an email from her and she's like, does this sound okay? And it was the quote, you know, like sort of an excerpt from what I had done with the interview. And I wrote her back and I was like, yeah. And then the next day was a Sunday and it came out in the paper and in the online version. And I had people in my family messaging me. It's like, Hey, I saw you in the New York times. So it was, I, I wish I could say I had done something really interesting. It was just sort of putting myself out there and, you know, I do a lot of writing. So I know that, um, I have a presence, I have a medium channel that I post articles or that I write. And so that, that has helped as well with exposure, but then, and, and maybe, you know, this from your industry days, like once you're in one form of press, it kind of like passes around. And so mm -hmm. ABC called CBS, I didn't do one of the morning shows. Cause they were like, Oh, well you're doing today's show. We don't want you <laughs> like, mm -hmm. didn't want to like compete. So good morning. America came and interviewed me and a family. I worked with here in Seattle where I live. We did an interview at their house and they talked to the family. And then the today show was like, come on, 
over to New York. Can you come Wednesday? <laughs> it was like, wow. Okay. Before we continue with the show, I want to talk a little about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressure to change themselves to fit other people's expectations. And the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique and what works for someone else doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work toward goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track. Personalized lessons help you gain confidence and practical knowledge. One-on-one coaching and a cognitive behavioral approach teaches you how to be mindful full of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program and more than 60% that engage with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. That's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. So they flew you out there and everything. They flew me out. It was like when you get off the plane and there's someone with your name on a card because they sent yes. a card to pick me up. It was it was like in the movies. It was, and I brought my daughter. She was eight. Oh. She got to watch the whole thing and come to the set with me. And like it was, um, Jenna Bush and Savannah Guthrie were interviewing me, and I was oh, so wow. nervous at first, of course, because it was TV. You know, it just seemed yeah. like a big thing. And and the minute I sat in the chair, I was like, wait a second, they're moms too. Jenna was pregnant at the time, and I was like. Mm. Oh my gosh. They're just moms exactly like me with slightly higher heels. Like that's it. That's the only difference. Like, yeah. And so then it was easy and the four minutes went by so fast. So I had that early exposure and it was great. And actually the today show called again, a year and a half later. So during the pandemic, I did a segment from remotely, um, like we pre-taped it and it was a real honor to get asked back, you know, to have that opportunity again. And so the challenge as a business owner has been, how do I leverage, you know, I have this great social proof. I have credentials. I have, you know, teaching experience. I'm a parent with experience, but how do I, you know, build a business out of that? And so that's been hard. And the irony is not lost on me that I'm the screen time consultant and I'm trying to put myself out there with screen related tools and right. talk to parents about it. So it's yeah. been tricky. Yeah. So you have to rely on your online presence to help your business, to get people off online. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, So tell us how it works. I mean, who comes to you? Who do you primarily work with and how do you help families? And I think you also help schools, right? Yeah. So initially my business was mostly school talks. I would do Mm -hmm. parent education nights. So a school would, usually it was like a PTA or a parent ed group that would be like, Hey, can you come and talk about screen time to our school community? And Mm -hmm. I love doing that. And I, I get, I do these customized surveys of the school community and I present the data back. It's a very high customization talk. And I love doing that. It's so much fun. And then of course, with the pandemic, all of those went to webinars, um, which is a lot less fun to do presenting wise, it can reach more people. A lot. It's easier sometimes for parents to tune in online than it is to Mm -hmm. show up on a Thursday, rainy December night, you know, but so they're trade trade-offs for sure. And I had done a little bit of private coaching as well, but I really focused on the school talks. And then with the pandemic, I did a lot more sort of webinars. I did some trainings, um, for like play therapists had me do a training and 
couple of different companies had me sort of working with their parent employees. And it's shifted because I'm getting a lot of requests for one-on-one support. And what I'm realizing is, and this is, again, I, I see this as a challenge as a business owner, is that parents are exhausted, burned out, overwhelmed, overstretched, and at their wits end about screen time and they want the help. So the pain is there, it's real. But then I don't offer like a one session guarantee. I know that this is a problem that requires some real shift in mindset and in habits and it's gonna take time. And so I've created a course and actually this is what I'm launching right now is it's a course to help parents become mm-hmm. a tech intentional parent. You know, it is with all of the things we just talked about and I'm spreading it out over 12 weeks. And that sounds like a really big commitment. I know how parents feel. The good news is it's actually not a lot of homework. I mean, hi, teacher brain here. <laughs> There's every other week is a live coaching session with me. And so it's really an accountability appointment, you know, like here's the thing to focus on. And then I give people two weeks to try it because I know that one week turnaround is so fast, you know, we need time to practice new strategies. And so the hope is that over that 12 week period, we'll really have flexed that muscle enough that we're building habits that will last longer term. So that's where I am right now in the business. And, you know, it's always a work in progress. It's figuring out like, what do people need and how can I provide it while also still finding balance myself for my family and my, you know, personal life. Right. There's no question that there is a lot of need. I think Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing is it's just a matter of how do you best meet that need? Parents need to know there are other parents out there struggling Mm -hmm. in the same way. So there there is a bit of like one-on-one when it's private, you don't necessarily even get that, you know, it's sort of an echo chamber, but when you're Mm -hmm. with other parents who are going through it, I see there's some real value in swapping tips and experiences. You know, how is this working for you? Did you try that? Um, And that can be really important. I think that can provide parents with that support they need from other like-minded parents. Yeah. And realizing they might not want to share that, oh, I let my kid watch this or play this yes. game. And then when others do it, they feel like, okay, well, we can get better, but we know we're, we're not alone. Yeah. And it's all, I mean, I say all the time that we have to replace judgment with curiosity. So it's like, <laughs> you can come into this group and there's no judgment about it from me. And then what we would do obviously as a group is, you know, we're just here. It's, it's no assumptions. Everybody's here because they want to improve. And so we start there, you know, it's mm-hmm. how can we go from where we are today to making like, I use like a number line, like negative 10 to positive 10. If you're mm-hmm. a negative 10 today and we get to negative five, that's progress, right? Yeah. You still might feel overwhelmed and like, this is not working, but that's still progress. It's moving in the right direction. Yes. Okay. So many good tips and resources. So let's kind of lighten it up a little bit. Um, Do you have um, routines that you like to rely on and maybe self-care or, you know, how do you, you know, recharge? Because I imagine it's a lot talking about screen time, being a parent. Um, What do you do for yourself? Mm, Good question. I, well, I really like reading. But even then I sometimes read the nonfiction books about screen time. So I have to find books that are off topic. Um, That's important. I I like playing games with my family, you know, offline games, of course, board games. Um, My daughter loves being read to and I love reading. And so that's been a wonderful way of building connection and reading books to her. 
I have a dog. So my dog provides me a lot of self care in the form of unconditional love. Right. But it's little things. I try to make time to go for a walk. Right. Even again, even if it's the dog, just to like get away from the computer, I, I take baths. Like those are my, my little self care habits for sure. Yeah. I love to ask your best and worst advice that you've either, that you either like to give or receive, because I think this can relate to business, parenting, screen time. I'm just curious what comes to mind. I love this question. So it's going to be the same. So the best and worst advice is I found that as a new parent, I got lots and lots of advice and my advice is to ignore all of the advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I say that only because it can feel so overwhelming and we can beat ourselves up for not doing it this way. Or you look at another family and you're like, well, why does their kid sleep through the night? Or why does their kid eat vegetables? And you just feel terrible. I, here's a piece of advice I got that was so helpful in my early parenting, which was you got the model you got the model of kid and you have Mm -hmm. to parent the model you got. And that can be really hard when you enter parenting because you think it's going to be one way. And then you got a kid who's like, just totally changed everything. And then when you have a second kid, like we did, this was a shocker, right? Not at all the same baby experience, not at all the same toddler experience. So you parent the model you got. That's great. I love that. Okay. So you mentioned some books and I know you read a lot. Do you have a favorite place to go for resources or even for inspiration or entertainment? What do you like? It could be a book or a podcast, even a show. Well, I probably am speaking to an audience that shares this, but I love Brene Brown. I find her work very inspiring. It really helped me personally, but then also all of the dare to lead piece, you know, about being a business owner has been resonating. I also recently read a great book called Originals by Adam Grant, which I really enjoyed. I took a lot of the parenting advice from that because there, it was a lot about how we want our kids to be original. We don't want them to just do what everybody else does, you know, and what are the advantages long-term to doing that, you know, and to raising the kid, even if her kid's saying you're the only parent who doesn't let me have a screen or doesn't let me have a phone or whatever, that is the kid that's thinking their parent later. I'm so glad, right? So taking that long view, um, there's some great parenting books. One that was often recommended to me when my kids were little, it's sort of an iconic one is the how to talk. So kids will listen and listen. So kids will talk by Faber Mm. and Maslish. So that's a good one, especially for young kids in terms of like activism and organizations that support activism around screen time. I I mentioned fair play. Um, and I think their website's fairplayforkids.org and they're just great. They're just doing wonderful work. It's wonderful people. And they really are trying to make the world better and safer for kids when it comes to screens and internet. So, you know, if you want to support somebody who's doing that and fighting that fight, that's a great one too. I have a question from my previous guest. What's the one thing that you wish you had done sooner? Oh, this is a really good question. Again, the irony is not lost on me about being on social media. And I have been very slow to jump in there because of my knowledge and feelings about using social media. And so there was a period where I just, I had deleted Instagram altogether. I had a personal account years ago, but then I didn't even have it for a while. And I finally jump-started it again in September. So I've been slow to grow. And I hate that people go to your follower account and check like to mm-hmm. see if, as though that lends legitimacy to your expertise. When mm-hmm. in fact, I know what I have is very <laughs> high level information and grounded in research and experience, you know? So I, I, I only wish I had done it sooner because it takes away that skepticism. But mm-hmm. it, on the other hand, I feel like 
I just think a life unfolds the way it's going to, and I will learn something from all of these experiences. So there's my answer, but that's a great question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So now before we go, give us all your information. I know people can learn so much from you, maybe even get your course that you're going to be starting. So tell everybody where they can find you. I'll also link everything up to, um, in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. So yes, again, irony, I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I have a YouTube channel, all of it's under at the screen time consultant and my website just refreshed my website. The course information is on there. It's called becoming a tech intentional parent, but I also, you know, if parents are interested in having me come and talk to schools, or if you're interested in private small group coaching, that's something we can talk about. All of that is there's descriptions on my website, but you can send me a, an email and ask more details. I always like to talk to people about this and, you know, spread the love. So if, you know, if a course isn't the right thing for you right now, I do try to post a lot of content on social. And I have a private Facebook group too, that people can request to join called tech intentional families United. So I kind of bounce between there and Instagram primarily. So that's where you can find me. Okay, perfect. Well, I think what you're doing is so important and will continue to be. So thank you for sharing it today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, I want to hear from you. Send me an email to momscallingpod at gmail.com. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review this podcast. See you next week for another episode of Mom's Calling on the Believe Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.